Hunt's private eye. I'm not here right now. Please leave a message. Listen up, Hunt. Tracy speaking. This one is most peculiar. A cold case in a quintessentially English setting. The unexplained disappearance of actress Ada Constance Kent just before the Second World War. I'm warning you now, it all gets rather macabre. And one more thing, punt. In this case, the skeletons aren't in the closet. They're in plain view. Actress Ada Constance Kent. I head straight for the cuttings file, and the headlines are intriguing. The lonely death of Connie Kent. Recluse found dead after ten-year lapse. Local people at a loss to understand how death of former actress in Fingringho went unnoticed. Time to dig out my trusty notebook, apply the shoe leather, and head east. Fingringho is in Essex, and on board the 909 train to Colchester, I have time to conduct some conscientious, in-depth research on my destination. And Wikipedia doesn't let me down. I soon learn that the village is a conservation area, with traditional pond and red telephone box, and that it's mentioned by Karl Marx in Das Kapital as part of illustrations of the general law of capitalist accumulation. But most importantly for me, Fingringho is just across the River Colne from Wivenhoe, where the actress Joan Hickson lived all through the time she was playing Miss Marple. And I wonder whether I might need to summon some of her detecting spirit. The centre of Fingringho does indeed feature a red telephone box and a village pond fed by a babbling spring but it also boasts, right next to the village school, an extraordinary old oak tree. And standing beneath it, armed with books and documents, is local historian Patrick Denny. So this is Coggeshall Church Burial Register. Straight to the point with Patrick, Miss Marple would approve. 1949, which shows Ada Constant Kent of the cottage Wellburn Corner Fingringho, her burial entry on the 22nd of July 1949. Aged about 77. And it says in the margin here, simply reported 22nd of March 1949. Whereas some of these other entries, of course, give the exact date of death. So we don't know exactly when. Do we know exactly who? According to some stories, she was one of the suffragettes who chained herself to the railings of the House of Parliament. She was apparently a music hall star and an actress going by the name of Vera Vercelli. So, some idea of who. But what about how? 8th July 1949. Open verdict on fingering her recluse. And then in very large letters, Connie Kent was not murdered. Which suggests that <laughs> there was some rumour that she might have been. Why would there be any question of foul play about the demise of septuagenarian ex-actress and music hall star and possible ex-suffragette Ada Constance Kent, alias Vera Vercelli or Vera Vershale? The problem is that when she was entered into the burial register in 1949, 
It had been a good ten years since anyone had last seen her. There's the picture of her, or one of the pictures of her. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't seen it. Um, reportedly taken from the cottage when the police went in and looking through her possessions. Found loads of old photographs and letters from her days as an actress. And this is one of them, which shows her as a young, quite nice-looking woman, doesn't it? Mm. Do we know with any precision when Connie disappeared? Well, she was last seen alive, for certainty, on the 6th of March, 1939. And that was testimony given by the landlord of the Wellburn pub because she was in the habit of going over to the pub just across the road to get her packet of woodbine right. on a sort of daily basis. And he never saw her again. Fast forward to 1949, the people of Fingernhoe wanted to enter into a best-kept village competition. And Connie's cottage was a ramshackle ruin. It was an eyesore. Now, the council couldn't demolish the house without getting the owner's permission, so they had to try and make contact with the owner. They managed to get in. There was a book of Shakespeare's plays open on the table, slippers in the fireplace. The whole room was set out as though someone had just vanished. When they went upstairs, on the floor, partially under the bed, partially in this little gangway, they found the remains of a full human skeleton. And, of course, within 24 hours, Fleet Street and all the press had descended on Fingernhoe mm. and had taken up residence in the whalebone. And it was reported all over Britain, in America, New York, Nebraska, Ohio. It was everywhere within about a week of this retired actress found in dust in this cottage in Fingernhoe. Of course, what journalist could resist the combination of ex-actress, run-down cottage, Shakespeare open on the table and slippers in the fireplace? Especially when those journalists were based in the local pub. Local pubs being a notoriously reliable source of unembroidered information. Beneath the eye-catching details, we have a sad story of a once-renowned actress down on her luck, her death unnoticed for years on end. But even today... Ada Constance Kent is not completely forgotten in fingering home. There's not many people that remember her now. <laughs> I don't suppose I would have been 12 or 13, something like that, I suppose. She was a mystery. Door-to-door -door inquiries bring me face-to-face -face with Jean Watcham, Peter Hopkins and Daphne Allen. Daphne, having only moved to the village the year after the discovery of the skeleton, never met Connie. However, her late husband did. They used to tell me about... Connie Kent, and she lived like a hermit, I think. She wasn't friendly to anybody, nobody could approach her, really. A bit bad-tempered, she was. She was a quaint old lady, yeah. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, I was young, I didn't... She'd been there quite a while before I lived there. I used to see her about the village. I think the younger people used to go past and cheek her a bit, but other than that, I don't know. She used to holler at people to clear off. What I know about... Connie is what Mrs Wade told me. She used to take in Connie's mail for her and she used to get excited when she had one with a crest on it. What did a crest mean? I don't know. I think it meant she'd got some money or oh, something. I see, right. And we knew her as, as somebody who'd been on the stage. Used to go off for days at an end, thought to be to London, where they said she used to be an actress. When she got her mail and that one with the crest on, she always went into Colchester. Right. For short trips, but she'd go to London for longer trips, perhaps six weeks at a time. Did she? Yeah. 
Whether she went back on the stage for that time, I don't know. I wondered if she got a job in London, you know, on the stage again. Fingringhoe is not a large village. People there generally either worked in farming or in the boatyards nearby. The grumpy theatrical type in the cottage must have stood out a bit. Did you get many strangers there? No, I don't think so. Not even summertime, only relations come to visit or somebody coming to see the oak tree in the spring because they had to get the water from the spring. And I think that's what Mr Winkle used to do for Connie. Mr Winkle? Worth making a note of that name. He had a key. So Mrs Wade told me. She said he's got a key. He was sort of her odd job man. But when she went to Colchester or London, she used to really dress up. Mrs Wade said she used to look a treat. And when the police searched the cottage, the cushions were all full of fur coats and these silk dresses and things. I suppose that's where she kept them. So she'd hidden clothes and silks and things inside cushions? Inside cushion covers, yes. Have you ever come across that anywhere else? No. That sounds quite strange to me. It does to me, but the policeman said there was fur coats and silk dresses. But hidden in cushions? Well, folded up and put into a cushion. The policeman told me that. And the policeman's name was Constable Constable. Jean told me that. Constable Constable. And following in the footsteps of Constable Constable, it's time to visit the place where the body was found. Or it would be time if the cottage hadn't been demolished in 1954. But Patrick Denny is able to show me where it stood. So there's the Wellburn. Yes. And that's the road coming up from Colchester. Yes. So that old cottage there, in front of you, used to be thatched. Yes. There used to be another cottage standing where this hedge is. And next door, where that blue car is, was Connie Kent's cottage. What really leaps out at me is that this is not a secluded spot. It's the main road through the village. It's right next to the pub. So it's not a hidden place or a secluded place at all. It's very hard to imagine a dead body lying undiscovered for ten years in such a public spot. The village school is still next door, the pond hasn't changed, and in between pond and cottage is the oak tree, reputedly the result of a planting technique definitely not recommended by Monty Don. The rumour behind that oak tree is that they buried a pirate there and they put an acorn in his mouth. (laughs) That's the local story, and hence we've got the oak tree today. So there's some sort of foundation. Yes, I mean, that's probably the remains, obviously. Yeah. Almost yeah, certainly. Yeah, you can see them. This is basically it. This is where it was. Yeah. Just here. Gosh. So, I mean, apart from her temper and slightly itinerant lifestyle, what do we know about Connie Kent? Well, descriptions of Connie Kent... Well, first of all, she started living here from, say, 1930s onwards. By that time, she was described as elderly. She had probably been in the late 50s, 60s. Walked with a bit of a stoop wore long black flowing dresses, slightly protruding teeth, but she was a bit of a recluse. People would see her wandering around the village, and then, of course, in 1939, she vanished. How long, given that she did occasionally go away for a bit, until anyone realised she was missing? I think it was towards the end of the year, end of 1939, a friend of hers who lived in one of the nearby cottages 
he became a bit concerned, he being odd job man, Mr Winkle. And she did have a friend, she had one friend, a Mrs Maskell, who lived in Colchester. And they contacted Mrs Maskell and asked her if she knew where Connie was, and it resulted in Mrs Maskell coming to the cottage to see if they could find her. And they knocked on the windows, they peered inside, but they didn't actually go in at that stage. This is towards the end of the this year. This would be the end of 1939. But with its periodically absent owner now apparently gone, the local children who frequently played around the piratical oak now had an abandoned cottage just a few yards away. And in those pre-health and safety days, this presented a sort of ready-made adventure playground. As kids, we broke into her cottage, into the back. Where was Constable Constable when you needed him, eh? And then they got fed up hunting around. Come on, somebody go upstairs. Nobody made a move, so I said, I'll go. And I went to the door and I stood there looking because it was pitch black in there. And somebody gave me a push and I went flat on my face. When I went down, my hand went that way and under the bed, sort of put my hands out to find out where I was. Yes. And I touched this, what I thought was rolled up carpet. And I just said she's lying here dead or something like that. And as soon as I said she was dead, they were all gone. They were out of that window like grease light. <laughs> right. But you didn't really know what you'd touched. Oh, you no, I didn't fe- know what I'd touched. It was either a rolled-up carpet or something like that. That's all I felt. I just wanted to frighten them like they frightened me. I see. <laughs> a rolled-up carpet on the floor under the bed. Did Jean's revenge prank on her friends contain more truth than she realised? It's not really the bare bones of a case. But plenty of children played in the cottage, and maybe another eyewitness can throw some light on a darkened room. Yes, I'm Frank King. I was here during what was probably the peak of the investigation and the inquiry into the disappearance of Constance Kent, yes. Thought so. As the children grew more accustomed to the fact that the old cottage was there, very much tumbled down, plus the fact, too, that in those days there were very few motor vehicles and we played in the road, we had our PE lessons in the road, we played by the pond, we played under the oak tree, but more importantly, with no one's objection, we played quite freely in this little house of Constant Kent. And no end of times, after school or even in school periods at playtime, we still went in there. I mean, children had climbed over the bed and it was just that sort of situation. I mean, nothing was willfully destroyed or anything like that. There was an air of value about what was in there china ornaments on the shelves, portraits on the wall, I can't remember what they depicted at all. The whole place spoke of a glory, if you like, a presence that sadly by her absence had been neglected and was falling into decay. So you yourself went into the house? Oh, yes. Mm. And you'd seen for yourself that there didn't appear to be anything in there? Nothing, nothing. Constable Constable and odd job man Mr Winkle also checked inside the cottage and found nobody and nobody. So what did people think had happened? Well, there was a mix of opinions, really. Some people thought she'd fell into the duck pond. The duck pond was searched and she was never found. Another theory was that at that time the water board were installing major pipes or large water pipes just close by the cemetery, and these were quite large pipes. 
and people thought perhaps she'd wandered into one of those and lost in the passage of time. But she was a very eccentric lady and she would go for walks in the middle of the night in the moonlight and she had strange ways about her. People were not perhaps quite so inquisitive as they are today. And I think possibly this was one of the reasons why it went on for so long. So when it gets to 1949 and they suddenly find a skeleton in there, what did you think? I think I uh, sided with the opinions of most people in the village that it was a cover-up. Cover-up of what? Well, I think they thought that somebody just put the skeleton there. Simple as that. You see, going back to the very beginning, Constance Kent was very friendly with the landlord at the whalebone. And she went away for quite long periods of time. This wasn't a one-off thing. Yeah. And when she did go away, she deposited a trunk with her belongings in her particular papers and so on with him. And on this occasion, she had done that. But wait a moment. Now, I'm no Miss Marple, haven't got the legs, but if Connie deposited her trunk at the Whalebone Inn, then that would suggest she didn't disappear at all. She left of her own accord. Maybe we should delve back into who Connie was. Genealogist Helen Barrell runs a website devoted to tracing Essex and Suffolk surnames and family history. From what I could find out, she was just a sort of local girl from a village in north-east Essex on the river. Helen is able to tell me that Ada Constance Kent had been born in Fingringhoe in 1871, just after that year's census, and her mother is described as a machinist tailoress, a very probably professional semstress. Well, we don't know anything about her father because she was illegitimate. Her mother was called Helen, so 1871 census, so this was just before she was born. Her grandma is back in Fingringhoe with Helen and her mother and Agnes, who is her aunt, 1881 census, she's nine, and she's in Colchester by then with her grandma and her mother. When you're doing a family tree and things, if they were born in a little village like that and you've got roughly when they were born and you've got their surname, then they should be fairly easy to find. But unfortunately, Constance, after the 1891 census, I couldn't find her after that. It's just that if she had gone into Music Hall, it doesn't seem unlikely that she would have been travelling around a lot. Mm. I mean, that slightly fits with not appearing on censuses, doesn't it? It does, because what would happen is if you were staying in a hotel or an inn, the person who owned the hotel or the inn would be the person who wrote down all the names of everybody staying there that night. And if they don't know everybody's names... They might just put unknown woman, yes. you know, or she may even have had her own reasons for not wanting to appear on it. We definitely know that suffragettes, for instance, refused to be on censuses. The 1911 census is full of suffragettes just writing, if I can't vote, then I'm not going to be on your census. Well, that's interesting you say that because that is one of the rumours, although that may be based on this. Mm. So after 1891, mm-hmm. how long does she vanish from the record for? She vanishes until she reappears on the death index and in the burial register for Coggeshall Church. Really? In 1949. So she doesn't pop up anywhere else at all? Not that I could see. Is it unusual for people to disappear off the census? I mean, I could understand them disappearing off one. They might Mm. be abroad or something. But for someone to so completely vanish off the radar for decades, is that odd? It is a bit odd. I did wonder if perhaps she'd gone abroad. So I looked at the immigration and travel records and I couldn't see her on there. So after 1891, there are no records of actress Constance Kent anywhere until her burial in 1949. 
But according to Dr Judith Rowbottom, speaking to me at Broadcasting House, that's not so surprising. All the suggestions we have from the papers and from Fingering Ho is that Ada Connie Kent had a career as an actress in this country. Yes. If she started her career in the 1890s, there is absolutely no way she would have gone on stage as either Constance or Connie Kent. That six years after the notorious murderess, Constance Kent, is released. So if she goes on stage, then she is not going to use the name Constance Kent. Judith, who specialises in historical criminal justice studies, reminds me that Constance Kent was the girl at the centre of the Victorian murder case explored in the suspicions of Mr Witcher. So a stage name makes perfect sense. And the name that keeps coming up in the papers and photographs found in the cottage was Vera Vershale, a name that rings a bell with Judith through her family. My mother's first cousin, my first cousin once removed, right. was Richard Murdoch. Right. As in Stinker Murdoch. Yeah, in the, who lived Dick, on the roof of this very building. Who lived on the roof of this building. His son, Tim, has a memory because Dick, his father, also tried out for Hollywood. And Tim has a vague memory. Of, so, of a mention of this woman. But not in this country. It dates back to the time when he was trying out for films himself. But that would mean the 1930s, when Connie Kent was in her 60s. So could Connie have been Vera Vershale? According to the Australian newspapers, which seemed to have something more, there was a Vera Vershale who travelled quite widely as an actress, and she was a renowned Edwardian beauty. But if she was, she wasn't known in this country, because right. I can find absolutely no trace of her in the newspapers and if you were a stage person you turned up in the newspapers if you look at local newspapers national newspapers you have pages devoted to playbills so and so is appearing in the second mrs tanqueray these are commercial concerns so you get people in by telling them that their favorite people are appearing on stage so if you're not finding vera vachelle's name then she surely was not a famous Edwardian actress and beauty in this country. So I suspect it's more likely, since the Australian papers pick this up and seem to give some fuller coverage, that if we had access to more of the Australian papers, we might be able to find out more about Vera Vachelle. But I'm not necessarily sure that we would necessarily be finding out more about Ada Connie Kent. The picture I was shown that was found in the cottage and printed in the papers as Connie shows a young woman wearing a full-length Edwardian dress. But is it her or is it Vera? This whole case is a bit of a darkened room at dusk and not getting any lighter. I have one piece of interesting information that to me suggests how she may have become associated with the stage. Is this a chink of light at last? In the 1883 Essex Agricultural Show, Miss Ada Connie Kent won second prize for dressing a doll. You can see it in the Colchester Gazette, all the prize winners. Now that suggests to me that Connie Kent followed in her mother's footsteps as a dressmaker, a seamstress, and may actually have got a job as a stage dresser. All the big theatres 
employed seamstresses who made the costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may have been that she wasn't actually an actress, but worked behind the scenes. People even described seeing fabrics in some kind of cushions described as in her house. Yes, it seems to me very clear putting those together that what Ada Connie Kent did was become a seamstress like her mother and used that to get out of fingering her. That makes absolute sense. It makes sense of the silks and furs stored in cushion covers in her cottage and of the elaborate dress worn in the portrait. Judith also points out that Connie's illegitimacy would have made it difficult for her to find work in shops or department stores. The theatre was where a talented young costume maker could have no questions asked and perhaps become a personal dresser. I wonder whether the inquest papers might give more detail on what actually linked Connie and Vera and put in a request to see them. They might also tell me what she left in her trunk at the Whalebone Inn, why she came back, and whether the skeleton found in 1949 is even her. Is Frank King right? Was it all a cover-up? Back to Fingering Ho to find out where Patrick is still lurking under the old oak tree. The inquest that took place in July, the pathologist for the county was in court at the coroner's inquest and he had all the bones, the full skeleton in front of him and he apparently went through these bones almost one by one. Some of them had been nibbled by rats, but the skull... One of the descriptions of Connie was that she has slightly protruding teeth. And this skull, of course, had protruding teeth. Mm. And that was enough for the coroner to say that that's Connie Kent. And then he signed the death certificate. But no one saw her return or knew she was there right in the middle of the village. And if she did return, why didn't she reclaim her trunk? These questions haven't gone away. And in 1955, the Daily Herald was still on the case. Have I got Mr Winkle here? Let me have a look. Yeah, I think this is the one. Inquest verdict on man missing three weeks in Connie Kent village. Reuben George Winkle, aged 64. Winkle was found hanging in a downstairs back room of Church Green Cottage on Saturday. The cottage is only a few yards from the now demolished home of Connie Kent and the coroner recorded the verdict of suicide while the balance of mind was disturbed. Oh, good um, Lord. Even when the cottage was pulled down, he'd often be seen wandering around the ruins and the rubble. Uh, you know, some people have said that he might have known more than he was letting on, that, you know, whenever the subject of Connie Kent was brought up, he'd go quiet. Right. A few years later, he commits suicide. Is there a story there? I don't know. This only makes me more keen to look at the documents from the inquest held in July 1949. But sadly, coroner's inquest files are sealed for 75 years, and my request for an exemption has been turned down, which is frustrating since cabinet papers are only sealed for 30 years, and even the Kennedy assassination documents are only under a 70-year embargo. And so it seems that Ada Constance Kent is still, in death as in life, off the official record for another nine years at least. Maybe Tracy will put me on a retainer.